Hello and welcome. I'm Dr Joanna Bucknell and you're listening to episode 13 of Talking About Immersive Theatre or Tate for short, that's T-A-I-T. In this series I chat to all kinds of immersive folk about the work that they do. So without further ado, I will let you get at it. I'm here at the Brighton Fringe Festival headquarters in Brighton Hove City College uh, with Brighton Fringe Festival director Julian Caddy. Hello. So thank you so much for joining me, Julian. And I know that you are really busy at this time in the run-up to the festival. So you have been the managing director at the Brighton Fringe Festival since October 2011, is that right? That is correct. Good. Gosh. Because uh, I've done my point. research. but. Yeah. Um, just do correct me if mm-hmm. anything is not yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and prior to that, you were involved in the founding of Sweet Venues. Uh, but can you tell me a little bit more about your background as an event producer, director, and what has kind of led you up to taking up your post with The Fringe? Um, so the, 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 the journey is long yeah, and winding, <laughs> just as all of our journeys are long yeah. and winding. Um, I was always interested in theatre, mm-hmm. but never dared to do it at school because I wasn't popular. And oh. so, yeah, it's a sad story. My school didn't even do theatre. No, and, so and, no and it was all the sort of popular popular kids that did, did theatre, and I was like, oh, I really wanted to do it, but I didn't quite get in with the right clique and so yeah. on. So I, I, when I left school, I, got, I went to what was um, Bristol Polytechnic, mm-hmm. um, University of the West of England, as it became as I yeah. was while I was there. And I just joined the Drama Society. That was the one thing. I just went to the yeah. the Ents, like the, the Poly Players, it was called, and started doing it there. Um, and then got really into it. I yeah. just like was doing performance after performance, production after production. And then um, got to the end, got into the official big um, university musical. And then... Um, what was the musical? It was Anything Goes. Oh, wow. And I played Lord <laughs> Evelyn Oakley. And it was oh, it wow. was great fun. Really, really great. And I thought, that's it. I'm going to go to drama school. Uh-huh. And I got all the applications for all the drama schools in London uh, by post, because you will do it all, that, all by post then. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, I didn't dare apply. Oh. And I, I, and I so I, 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 my dad said, no, no, you're, go, go and do this, whatever. So I ended up... Um, doing a, a management uh, trainee scheme in a marketing agency. Wow, okay. Um, and uh, I worked in marketing for three years, but still did Amdram in the evenings. Yeah. And uh, in the end, I, 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 it all became too much, and I started doing an evening course um, with, a, uh, with, a, at, at a, with, a, with a, a school who um, had this crazy Russian... Uh, Stanislavski trained um, theatre director who ran it. Oh, that's incredible! Um, and uh, ended up giving up my day job and uh, going to drama school for, for three years. Ended up being four years, um, and then coming out coming out as an actor. Yeah, um, yeah. In, the, in wow. about two thousand two thousand and one. And from ninety six though, I, I did my first production in Edinburgh. Yeah, acting and co producing. Um, I then, uh, as part of the m- marketing company, I managed uh, a comedy tour with um, Jonglers yeah. uh, sponsored yeah. by Twiglets which so I was on the on the on the uh, agency side working for Twiglets funnily enough this is bizarre it's just bizarre <laughs> I, 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 I've not really talked about this before so I, I was working for Twiglets um, uh, and I organized this 28 date comedy tour um, uh-huh. for this sponsorship thing going around the country to these 
these different comedy doing these comedy gigs um, and, and roughly around the same time I was doing this producing stuff in Edinburgh we put we put one of the shows from the Twiglets comedy tour at the assembly rooms in Edinburgh yeah, yeah. Um, we did uh, I, I was also doing you know I, I was at Hill Street Theatre in 96 um, and I got this bug at, about doing the fringe mm-hmm. and when I went I went to the drama school I said why don't we set up a, um, a drama school um, company that we take shows to Edinburgh. Yeah. So I was the producer of those shows. Um, right. So performing in things and uh, producing the, um, like, the, or doing all the organising. Um, and then when I left, um, I, um, as one does, one diversifies to do lots and lots of things, I, I, I co-founded um, a venue up in Edinburgh which we called Sweet, um, yeah. sat in sat, sat in hotel in a hotel on the Royal Mile, uh, in hotel suites, um, and so it became Sweet, spelt like sugar rather than the suite of a hotel, yeah. and um, that was the beginning of that. And we produced fifty-two or programmed fifty-two shows in the first year yeah. uh, in three spaces, and then it just grew to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows. Now. <laughs> um, and uh, by the over the course of that time. Um, my wife and I were producing children and it became more and more untenable for me to be buggering off to Edinburgh um, for eight weeks at a time. Well, it's hugely uh, consuming, isn't it? And it's kind of 24-7. And, and, and you don't make any money. No. Really. No, 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 <laughs> folks. Um, Cultural. Yeah, it was It was very interesting and there was some great, great fun to be had um, with some, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just a, uh, it's an experience everybody has to have. Um, yeah. And... Um, I was, um, it was brought to my attention about Brighton Fringe being, um, having some, uh, having, well, need, need of a, need of a director. Um, I applied in 2010. I didn't get it. They appointed someone else. Oh. And then in, and then in 2011, <laughs> I, I got a, I got an email saying, we didn't, it didn't really work out with the last guy. Are you still interested? We really liked your CV. Wow. Um, and so I came and joined, joined uh-huh. in um, late October 2011. And you live in London, don't you? I live in London, but I, I've also got a flat in Brighton, so I, I kind of live here, really. Yeah, that's um, perfect. Especially which, at the moment with the trains. Trains and all sorts of things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. We have the same trouble trying to get across. Uh, it's much easier to get the bus or drive at the moment mm. than try to get here on the yes, train. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Well, that's interesting, because um, I've been coming to the festival since, like we were talking about earlier, since about 2006, mm. when I started my PhD, and I first came as a research kind of activity and it was such a different kind of beast then it Mm. was in some ways kind of not as professional or as organized as it is now Mm. in in kind of any way Mm. and so I as a researcher had to really kind of scrabble to try to do all the research to try and figure out which shows might kind of fit my research brief and all of that sort of thing so I've been coming for a really long time and seeing this kind of like massive arc of change and I suspect that just in the time that you've been here as well there's been a significant change so what do you think how do you think the festival has really changed kind of under your leadership and under your direction um well I I felt that Brighton Fringe was at a turning point when I started it seemed that there were lots of very obvious things that needed to be done. Yeah. Um, it didn't have its own box office. No. It was all through the dome. I yeah. thought 
that I arrived and I, I, I said to the box office manager, so where are all the ticket printers? And he said, we don't have any ticket printers. And I said, how do you sell any tickets? And he went, well, <laughs> we sell them through the box office at Brighton Dome. How does that work? Well, yeah, not that well because the Dome are not really interested in, in the fringe. They, they, they've got their own festival to deal with. Of course. Um, so I set up our own box office, um, which was not terribly well received by the Dome at the time. Um, <laughs> I was even called to a meeting to say, it's outrageous that you're doing this, it's a competition. Um, it was, and so that, I suppose, was a, was a turning point for the Fringe. Um, and I also had some relationships with, the, um, with David Bates, who ran the, the famous Spiegel tent in, yes. uh, in Edinburgh and worldwide. And, there's a, a chap who worked with him, Adrian Bristow. We all came together and we decided we'd set up the Brighton Spiegel tent um, in 2013. Um, I found uh, a sponsor and we linked them up with the bar, the local bar company and it all came together in some virtuous, yeah. wonderful thing that just, <laughs> just happened. And, yeah. and at, at the same time, well, no, it was a year before actually, the, the, the people who ran upstairs at 3 and 10... Um, we're setting up the Warren, yeah. um, and that was all part of the, the, the I guess, the new movement of, of where Brighton Fringe um, started to go from um, the, the setting up of the Warren in 2012 and the Spiegel tent in 2013, and I, and I think it's led to a more, I think, a, a professionalisation of the of, of the way that venues are run. Yes, um, and I've very much pushed as much as possible quality. I, I was going to say that I think there's um, been since I was first coming it's much easier now to kind of identify mm. professional work over other kinds of work and I yeah. think of course that community work is extremely important and the amateur kind of work that yeah. participates as well is important but I think earlier in in the festival it was much harder to kind of distinguish mm. between that kind of work and I think now it's much more cohesive and it has a much more cohesive identity and certainly as a researcher and it is now much easier to kind of pick through what's on offer and really figure out mm. what because I think venues are now starting to really have characteristics too which I think is really exciting yeah I, I think that it's it's about making sure that there is a collected confidence yeah between the performers the venues and the audiences um that it's going to be okay yeah <laughs> um, and, and it's it, it's it's a bit like um a microcosm of the world Fringe Festival. It, mm. it, it does rely on people um, wanting to take part, wanting to, um, uh, feeling their confidence. The, the economy, you know, economic economic statistics are always based on what people think is going to happen. Yeah. And if ever lots and lots of people think it's going to be dreadful, then there's a recession. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And <laughs> in, in the end, it's a, it's about being a cheerleader. Um, for Brighton Fringe and the opportunities that it could create because I don't put the work on. Yeah. Um, I won't necessarily know what the lion's share of the shows will be um, uh, but I'm able to create an environment, a framework around which people can succeed. So we, we set up our own awards. Um, there had been a bit of a hodgepodge of, of awards uh, previously in, in 2014 or 2015? 20, 15, we set up, finally set up our Brighton Fringe Awards, um, where we brought them together under under, under the Brighton Fringe banner, yeah. whereas previously yeah. it would have been the latest awards, the Fringe <laughs> This, Fringe yeah. That award, and it was all just a, 
wasn't quite focused enough and, and we with no money really managed mm. to put this all together and give people a certificate and, and so on and people can put that on their flyer and, and it means exactly. it, we give them a free registration for the following year so they come back so you've got better quality work that keeps coming that back keeps coming, yeah. We've raised about £25,000 in bursaries for performance, um, which is really important. Um, And we've been building up a lot of international relations. Um, I'm the vice chair of the World Fringe Alliance, which sounds a bit like Spectre. Yeah, it does. um, (laughs) Which comprises uh, Adelaide Fringe, Perth Fringe, Mm -hmm. National Arts Festival of South Africa, Prague Fringe, Amsterdam Fringe, Edinburgh Fringe, Brighton Fringe, New York Fringe and Hollywood Fringe. That's huge. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been on the jury for the National Arts Festival of South Africa for the past five years, wow. and also for Amsterdam Fringe as well. And I've, I I toured to um, I, w- I was in Adelaide earlier this year. I was in Perth and Adelaide last year. I go to Avignon Fringe uh, in July. We do an award in Edinburgh, and each year we're looking to build the number of quality pieces of work that yeah. come to Brighton and, and essentially acting as that cheerleader, I go and do sessions with artists all over the world yeah. to promote Brighton Fringe. Um, I was a consultant for the British Council in Lagos in Nigeria uh, a couple of years ago to help them set up the Lagos Theatre Festival Fringe. Yeah. Um, and that people would have no real reason to think about Brighton Fringe unless you do go out there yeah. and you just make it as easy as possible for people to understand it. Exactly. And through the relationship with South Africa, we've, for the last two years, been able to bring over uh, South African performers yeah. um, from, uh, from, from who've won awards at the National Arts Festival. Um, and I think there's, there's probably a couple of dozen now that have come over as directly as a result of that. Um, this year we've got uh, the Dutch season, which yep, is yep. Uh, 14 pieces of work, award-winning work from the, from the Amsterdam Fringe yep. over the past five or six years. Um, and that's all uh, non-verbal. I think there's maybe one piece that's spoken, other, otherwise everything else is Well, that's is, always is a non- challenge, non-verbal. isn't it, with international work, is finding work that speaks across those language and cultural exactly kind of challenges so so that, that that's been great and it's been funded by the dutch government and the dutch embassy and the um uh, the equivalent of the the arts council for the netherlands yeah and that's been a, a really great thing to have on board and interestingly enough we get more money from the dutch embassy yeah. uh, than we do from the uh, the arts council <laughs> in in the uk um which is a an indictment or, yeah, a, that or, really or, or su- something that's quite revealing, I suppose. <laughs> doesn't really surprise yeah. me, actually. And I noticed in the programme, um, and I'm looking through for very specific, again, sort of immersive and interactive things, there's quite a few Australian companies, mm-hmm. I think, that are coming over. And I think that's really exciting and really interesting because, of course, we can't all afford to go off to Perth or to go off to the Netherlands to go to these festivals. So I think bringing over this work to do that kind of cultural exchange and that kind of cultural sharing is just so exciting. And it's so mm-hmm. exciting that it's happening as part of the Brighton Fringe Festival rather than happening at the Barbican in London or at the National somewhere again, which kind of is a little bit less accessible, I think, mm-hmm. than the Fringe Festival. So for me, uh, as a maker and as an audience and as an academic, I think it's that excites me, that kind of sharing and bringing of different cultural works. So I will definitely be going along to see some of those bits as well. Yeah, it's great. And, and the, 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 the whole um, theatre scene 
uh, or performance art scene, or I guess performance generally, because uh, that could include dance, puppetry, mime, absolutely, you know, yeah, what have yeah. you, um, is so um, different depending on the culture in which you find yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, a fringe festival is such a really great uh, platform for all of these different. Um, uh, countries performers to come to to present work, and for it to be seen as um, as the springboard, I suppose, yeah. for for them to, to to take work around the country and around Europe. Well, I think as well, it's because of a lot of the opportunities, especially when I'm looking as a maker here, tend to be very theatre based here in the UK and. My work comes from a much more kind of live art, performance art kind mm. of base, which is much more European. Um, and actually, I find the fringe festivals much more open to that kind of form of performance rather than just theatre. And so, again, as a maker, that's something that really excites me is that I get the opportunity to kind of showcase this kind of work. And it's not just some strange little thing that's happening in a corner. There's a whole host of other mm. work that's going on that's coming from that similar kind of vein as well. Mm. And so for me, that's one of the other things that's exciting is just the varied amount of things that nestle under that kind of broad term of performance I think and that that is exciting mm. from family shows up to kind of high end live art and I think that's exciting to be able to come and in one day see kind of like a body artist and then go and see a puppet show which that for me is exciting yeah and it, it is it is the, the, the sheer range and the um, the volume yes. uh, of, of shows that that is quite um, exhausting to think about, but also um, it's um, uh, you, it's it's cheap mm-hmm. or cheaper. Yes, than, say, yes. Uh, like Brighton Festival, perhaps, or or the Barbican, or or, or elsewhere. There's a yeah. there's a significant amount of the shows which is which are um, uh, cost five pounds or free, and exactly. the average ticket price remains, I think off the top of my head around about eight pounds. I was gonna say yeah it's eight fifty, um, isn't it? So it, 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 it is a, an affordable experience. Yes. Um, and it means that you can have a bit of a uh, a performance orgy uh, when you just go and go, oh, <laughs> exactly. God, I see this, where am I going next? <laughs> Check the app and uh, you know, whatever. I've got much better at that. When I first started going to festivals as a researcher, I just like program everything I wanted to see and I'd make myself a little spreadsheet and I'd be like, Okay, I wanna see these things and the first time I did it in Edinburgh I forgot to check where venues were, so I found myself madly just rushing, running halfway across Edinburgh all the yeah. time. So now I'm always really careful, so I choose what I want. Then I go on Google Maps and go, okay, what can I feasibly <laughs> get to between all of these different things? And actually, yeah. Brighton is much easier to do that because most things are very much within walking distance. Yes, that's true. Actually, in mm. the city. And for me, it's perfect because I'm just live a little bit further along the coast. So mm. again, if I come, I know if I come for the day, because it has to be for the day, mm. I can see loads of things because I can afford to do that. And it's a vibrant city, so mm. I can go down the seafront if I want to, or I can hang out in the lanes. So mm. I think it's just so so different as well to Edinburgh in that respect. And of course, Edinburgh has its own buzz and it mm. has its own very particularity, yeah. but I think Brighton has something else as well. I think mm. that's different to Edinburgh. I mean, what do you think? I think it's a it's a much more manageable um, size than than Edinburgh. Mm. Um, you there are there are good and like good sides and bad sides to it as well. Um, just as Edinburgh, um, the uh, you still the the good side is you have the range. 
of the of, of, of the shows of that course, you can get yeah. in Edinburgh. A lot of the you, you even see a lot of the the Edinburgh previews in Brighton before they go to Edinburgh. Yes. So you get the yeah. you get the scoop. Um, yes. Before before it hits town, <laughs> and you, you you'll see these shows that are coming to Brighton to get the reviews that they can then use to take to Edinburgh. Yes. You see a lot of shows as well that are now starting to come to Edin- come to Brighton instead of Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, which is which is exciting for from my perspective. That Indeed. There is a uh, a marketplace um, that that can happen outside Edinburgh, which is not so costly. Well, we couldn't be further away, really, could we, on this coast? Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 it works well. It's a different time of year. There's a there's yeah. a whole. I, I think I definitely think that more and more Brighton Fringe is going to step up to the plate in terms of being a, a, a an alternative yeah. um, within the marketplace for for Edinburgh. Not not as a competitor, but as a just a, a, as a you know off, offering a, a wider market. Yeah. Because um, people do do both. We have arts industry professionals coming to Brighton Fringe a of lot course. more than ever before. And that's another thing that we we're want so to close. Bring in. You know, an hour away from London. An hour away from London, and, and a lot of people will come um, and not actually be coming to stay in Brighton. They'll just come down. And and, and I think that the bad side, the downside of, of of Brighton is the runs are too short. That that's what that really that is the bothers big problem. Me, yeah, um, yeah. As, as uh, quite a lot um, is that there isn't yet the confidence which it does come down to confidence yeah. um, that a longer run will work there is a, a general assumption oh long runs don't work in or wrong this won't do so well because yeah. um, and and the more people say that the more it becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, exactly. And this year, we because we've not done, my company hasn't done Brighton before, mm. so I've been loads of times as audience. It's just mm. the first time we've put work on. Yeah. So we were like, do we just do, because we wanted to do, we knew we wanted to do six days. So we're like, do we do a big six-day run? Mm. And then um, we spoke to a couple of kind of friends who are creative producers, and they said, well, do something at the beginning and then something at the end. They're like, because then if people like it at the beginning and all the critics and stuff are around at the beginning of the festival, then they might review you and get people to come. <laughs> and see it then again at the end of the festival but you're right it's there's always that kind of and I don't know where it comes from this sort of caution when it comes to fringe events of mm. not doing long runs yeah I, I think that there is a that there's a bit of a pile of high mentality in mm. some of the venues about having lots and lots of shows um, the, the the Warren will do many 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 productions mm. um, and and the most the longest run that they tend to do, apart from say Shipface Shakespeare, maybe um, would be four uh, or five max yeah, dates. Yeah. Um, and and venues such as Comedia um, will rarely do more than one offs. I know, I know. It makes it very difficult. And, to and see it, so, so it, I think that what what happens as a result of having short runs is you, you don't quite get the build up that you get in Edinburgh. It's not quite so exhausting. Yeah. Um, as doing a doing a run in Edinburgh. Wait, wait. But but then again, at the same time, doing a run in Edinburgh gives you the um, it puts a show through its paces oh, in no way that <laughs> any other festival in the world could do. Can do, yeah. And you have to fight so hard for visibility. You're fighting as well. for visibility. You're fighting for fighting for just bums on seats bums every on single seats ticket every day. Yeah. Uh, you're out <laughs> on the mile. You're doing. You're you're handing out flyers. You're you're bleeding yourself dry yeah. financially. Um, and there, there is this desperation as you stand next to a, 
a, another group of um, uh, very tits and teeth university students yeah. uh, and, a, and a group of high school students. I don't know and, and you're on your, all on your own with your bloody one man show in the pouring rain. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you're just thinking, my life could not be worse than this right now. <laughs> um, and and yeah. so it's a, um, it, 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 nothing can really prepare you for that. Uh, but Brighton Fringe increasingly is. Is is able to be some sort of middle ground between yes. the, uh, you know, the, the 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 very very small festivals and the and and Edinburgh itself, and you, you, there is lots of competition, but it isn't quite so difficult to get an audience for shows that aren't in the bigger venues. And yeah. Edinburgh, there is very much the there, there is a, um, a not a monopoly in any. But sort yeah, you want to get into but, the, but there is very yeah. much this um, big four. Psychosis, I think, yes, that, yeah, that exists where that people people will say, "Oh, if you're not in the big four, then you know what? It's not really." You might as well not bother. And having yeah. one venue, <laughs> a venue that isn't in the big four, I've I've had, you know, so many different stories from companies that had a terrible time at one of those yeah. venues and but they ended up having a great time in at Sweet Sweet and. Um, never stopped coming after that exactly uh, because I mean, they had such a great personal experience you know dealing with people who are performers are makers are people who actually have a, a vested interest in the success of the show it's not so big there is a personal um, well in those yeah, big four it's touch. in in out in out in out in out and it's just kind of mm. <laughs> madness yes. and even then there's so much on in those venues that mm. still you're still having that kind of fight yeah for the audience and for me as a maker, obviously those reviews are really become really important. Mm. And if you've got it on outside of a festival, you want to do over six days because mm. the critics won't come if you do a run of less than sort of five six days. Of course they won't. No. But at a festival, there's this kind of really different attitude that it doesn't matter whether you do one or six dates because mm. the critics will just be around because they'll be seeing loads and loads of different things at the festivals. Mm. So I think some of that might drive that attitude as well is that oh we can do short runs at a festival because mm. the critics are just around because they'll come and see loads of things so it's okay if you mm. even do a one-off you might mm. even get reviewed mm. but if you're in a venue that's not outside of a festival we all know well you've got to do over five or six days otherwise no one's going to make no make the effort to come down and review your work no, that's right. but I, and I think festivals and maybe that does come out of Edinburgh I think that kind of attitude that if it's in a festival it doesn't matter if it's not a long run because people are around you'll get reviewed exactly. one way or another yeah <laughs> so it, maybe it comes from that I think everyone's a little bit bonkers uh, within, within the fringe community yes um, <laughs> you, you've got people who are passionate about what they're doing mm. um, and that includes the, these reviews sites a lot of these absolutely these fringe reviews fringe guru yeah type type thing they, they are um, passionate largely speaking individuals who yeah. care very much they're not getting paid for it no, um, no and they volunteers. will come and see something even if it is a one-off yeah um, <laughs> and, and, and they'll, they'll write a good detailed review and it, yeah. it is very much a um, something that that is that makes the fringe community um, so tight I think yeah yeah so uh, me and my listeners are very much interested in immersive and kind of interactive uh, performance and actually there's loads on offer in the fringe this year and I'll you need to tell me about something yeah no I was gonna say I'll come <laughs> to some of those later now I've spoken to loads of different practitioners about this term immersive and mm. as a scholar it's become something that kind of means nothing and means and seems to be attached to everything as mm -hmm. well so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on 
what immersive that sort of term means to you and what it's meant to you in kind of your experiences mm. because it's such a <laughs> a huge term but everybody wants to attach it to everything at the moment it would seem yeah I mean there's there's lots of degrees of immersiveness yeah I would say because <laughs> um, it's anything from uh, just breaking down the fourth wall and asking the audience um, what do we do next audience yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. which can be a, a type of immersive theatre, all the way to, again, watching shows in Edinburgh. I remember a show that we were sitting in a, in a World War I trench um, and sort of immersed in the, yeah. uh, in, in the environment there. Um, and you're, um, so it, it can be that and anywhere in between from walkabouts to... Um, uh, I, I'd, I'd include um, uh, performance art as well. Yeah, in, no, absolutely. In it, in it too, in that you're um, that, that, that there might not be a necessarily a, um, a, a, a narrative uh, necessarily. No, uh, <laughs> no, no <certainly laughs> very not, often not. Certainly not, no. not, not something which is terribly linear. No. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's it's where you can also decide what how you want to experience it, which side of the coin you want to. Uh, want to look at it from and, and it becomes a um, yeah I, I, I've had lots of really great experiences of this interactive or immersive theatre yeah. over the years yeah. and it's it's a I, I suppose it's the, the bottom line for me is what defines it is it's exploring what theatre is and can be yeah. or perf- performance or, or performance art is and can be it's it's not I, I, I think to try to pigeonhole it is um, yeah it, it, it's pointless yeah. really well, it's um, like that term physical theatre as well when people just say it's physical theatre mm-hmm. you're like wow that could mean a hundred different types mm. of robust European approaches. Mm. It could mean kind of approaches coming out of Italy that are historical. What do you, what do you mean by that? Mm. <laughs> and I think immersives become a little bit like that. It has so many possibilities mm. and so many kind of potentials. But I think you're right. It's for me. It's it's the very thing that makes theatre important and special and different mm. to everything else. Is the liveness of people in one space together in that moment audience and performers and I think it's just pushing kind of right at the boundaries of what that could mean and the potentials of what it means to have people live in that space in that moment yeah and I, I, I feel that a lot of um, that there, there are some companies that I've seen do work in London particularly that I feel that they've lost their way mm. that they they are Immersive theatre companies, they've become, and we are now an immersive theatre company. <coughs> yes. And this is what we do. We do immersive theatre. Yeah, this is yeah. the immersive theatre that we do. And it becomes a, what can we do now? Uh, it's like a diff- difficult second album yes, type, type thing. Yes. You come up with a great thing. Mask of the Red Death. Fucking hell. Amazing. Yes. But then now what, what do we then do? What happened? Now yes, what? Well, now what? Yeah. That's we, exactly that, it, isn't it? So, you know, you, me, bum bum train. I, I still haven't actually I've never been. got to see it. I can't but, get it. I've never got a ticket. Yeah, I got so angry at the last yeah, time. Yeah, me too. I logged in. 80,000 in the queue. I was yeah. like, come on. Yeah, exactly. I even contacted them and was like, hi, 
I'm a researcher. I've been trying. I yeah. really need to see yeah. your work, and it's just like nothing. No, and, and it, it's a, it, it, there, it's it's annoying as well, and, and I suppose that there is a well, um, lots of celebrities FOMO managed thing. to get tickets last minute, didn't yeah. they? <laughs> exactly, exactly, and, and, and I, I, I was. I was like, you see some of these things and I, I saw, I can't remember what it, which company it was, down in the in Greenwich. Uh, in oh, Heartbreak Hotel. Heartbreak Hotel, yeah. Really, what was that? What was that? I was all the way down there, it's a massive trek, all day waiting and then I was like, I I was what? befuddled as to... And that, that to me was a really... A clear example of doing something big and ambitious that ultimately was just a bit meh. I had no, I felt all I kept asking myself, because I was asked, what do I get out of getting out of my seat? There has to be value of me getting out mm. of, as, for, as an audience member to get up out of my seat and out of the dark. Yeah. And I felt that in that show, I couldn't. It was just little, it was so itty bitty. So itty bitty. Yeah. Initially, when it started, I was like, oh, this might be exciting, this yeah. idea of being processed. But then you go into the random room with the umbrellas and all the stuff hanging. I was like, I don't see how this... But not even in a performance art way of... I, I don't have a through narrative. It was just like, I don't see how this relates to this at all, in any way. And I came out of it very confused and very befuddled and then trying to be sold burgers. So I was just like... Yeah. I, what just happened to me? <laughs> yeah, it was very strange. And, and, I, I... and then they disappeared, because I've been trying to get hold of them, because I'd like to talk to them about yeah. their rationale and what it is that they were doing. Yeah. I can't figure out who actually produced that, who mm. actually made that. And I've, tr- I've been searching and searching the internet, and I can't figure it out. So it was a very odd little moment. Yeah, and, and, and so I, I think that really, that just as you create any kind of art... I think doing something just to be a bit quirky... To be trendy. Um, is, it, 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 it doesn't really work. It, it, it's a... Yeah. It, 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 there is an Emperor's New Clothes thing going on. Yes. Well, in, I get stung this. by this a lot as a researcher because, of course, mm. I try and go and see everything that claims to potentially be immersive. So I end up in some situations where I'm really confused and I'm like, I don't understand why you would have labelled this. Mm as immersive because it kind of isn't at all. <laughs> yeah. But there's when you do that, there are expectations from mm. an audience member of what they're going to get out of that. But I think there has to be some value of getting out of the seat and getting yeah. It's like, that, why am I, why don't I just sit and watch this? Yeah. Because sometimes I do, I go along to events and I think, I haven't got any more out of mm. walking around this space, but if I'd have sat and watched this, perhaps actually, mm. maybe I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think people are yeah. just saying, trying I, to make something cool and trendy. I, I, I think that that they're, they're um, doing the window dressing before actually decide deciding what it is they're putting in the window. Yes. Um, and it's 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 an empty shell. If if you start to start the creative process, deciding um, on your form on the form around which you're going to create the, the like the the, the content, um, yeah. it becomes a something that's really frustrating. I, I've, I've got a, a really good friend who's in a um, in rehearsals at the moment for a piece in the Netherlands. I cannot say what who she is and, 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 <laughs> and, and what the production is, but she's performing in it and she's saying that it's so itty-bitty right now. It's yeah. a big, well-funded thing that's going to be performed for, for a long... Like for, it's, it's got confirmed dates run, for yeah. a year coming up. Wow. Um, and it's a, a big, big deal. But it's chaos yeah. because they're... 
they, they've got this uh, technical obsession of different elements. It's lots of different pieces, but no totality. Uh. And the, so, so, and, and there's a, the, uh, lots and lots of people. They've got a dramaturg, they've got the stage designer, they've got the lighting designer. Wow. Got everybody <laughs> all doing all the yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's all in this great big thing, and, and they've just got themselves lost in this, yeah. in this journey. That's so, um, I mean, it's so alien to me because the way I work is it's me and my partner and uh, another. Mm. And we are so small, but we do everything from taking everything out of the van, <laughs> building sometimes the space to work in as well and performing and yeah. writing the show and everything. So, but I think what that does give us, rather than being part of these kind of huge processes, mm. is it gives us access to really understanding the organic nature of where that work has come from, why it's developed in the ways that it mm. has, and that control of being able to then sort of deliver mm. that to an audience. And when I make work, the first is an immersive, I hate the term immersive, really. Mm. It's funny, I do a whole podcast, I write books about yeah. it and journal articles, but the term immersive I find problematic. Mm. But for me, it's got, the first thing I think about is, why, what, what story, do I want to communicate? Well, not even necessarily a story, but a narrative, because my work usually doesn't actually have stories at mm -hmm. all, it just has narratives. But I'm much more interested in what happens between those two people, maybe three people, in that space, in that moment, at that time. And so for me, that's the starting point, is that relationship. Why do I want that person in front of me in that moment to explore these things with me? And how can I make that happen then in a way that is valuable and gives people agency? And so it's driven by much more kind of sort of, I guess, integrity and ethics that come out of that. But I'm a performance artist, so I mm. always come from that space of thinking about the real, nothing to do with pretense, but those real things happening in those real moments. Mm. And so when I do go to shows that I feel haven't got that integrity, mm. I, that upsets me the most, more than anything. Even if something, if something is well-intentioned but not well-delivered, that I can forgive, because I'm mm. like, I know what you're trying to mm. do here, mm -hmm. and you either haven't had the budget to do it or mm. the time to do it, and that is forgivable. But what's not forgivable is when it's, like you said, this empty Yeah, I, 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 get, I, I also get quite angry about things like that. Because then I feel um, like I'm being taken advantage of. Mm. I'm like, you took advantage of me and you took my money, and I don't really feel I got anything out of that. And I don't want to sound like some commercial person that like, I've paid my money, I want my good value, but what I want is consideration. And, and, I, and I have to say, like few, there, there have been more than one occasion where uh, what I've seen is something that's been funded by the Arts Council. Yes. Um, and it's turned into something that is just, you just see the flagrant amount of money that's been spent on something. And you think, I know. Jesus, really? I, I just, really? It, I mean, really? <laughs> It's so, I mean, I have endlessly spent time writing arts. I've never yet won Arts Council funding, but I spent endless amounts of time constructing Arts Council funding bids. And yet I go to work and I'm, I'm like, how? How mm. can we not seem to manage to get hold of this money, but other projects do seem to get funded? And they, I don't know what logic they so work off at the it's moment. It's about the relationships with your relationship manager and yes. having a track record of having... Had money. funding in the past. Indeed. And um, just being really good at writing these applications. Yes. And it, it, is a, it is a numbers game, and it is about who you know, ultimately. We've never I managed agree. to do, do very well with Arts Council funding <laughs> in Brighton Fringe. And me, I, I never got a penny of funding in my life no. uh, before coming to Brighton Fringe. And, the, and even now, there's only, I think, less than 3% of our, of our income comes from... Wow, uh, that Arts is, Council funding. yeah, that's and very small. It's a, 
it's a tough it's a tough game it is well research is very much like that so mm. I'm very used to that game mm. I was trained to play that game I but it's exactly the same money goes where money's been mm. because there's a, a kind of trust that that money then will be looked after mm. and will be spent kind of appropriately and in ways that can be uh, evidenced mm. but I know how to kind of play that research game and actually it's much more about the institution you're in if the institution is used to getting money from the different research councils mm. then they'll keep getting money if you're an institution that hasn't you've got like a double battle <laughs> yeah and, and also it depends on where you are I mean yes. the, 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 the problem for Brighton Fringe is that there is a as a very well established well funded uh, festival uh, in Brighton Festival yes and whenever we go to the Arts Council they go oh we will we give lots and lots of money to Brighton anyway and the lion's share of that, <coughs> say £1.2 million, goes to Brighton Dome and Brighton Festival. And there are several other you know, big um, uh, organisations, yes. you know, South East Dance and yes. New Writing South. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's not, not a big organisation, actually, but the, the, there are other, uh, Fabrica um, and others that, that are um, well-funded. And, and Worthing is very well funded as well. Well, Worthing as well, but the, it's not to say they don't work hard. Or, no, no, nor of that they, nor, not. Nor, 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 nor saying that they don't deserve it, but it just means that you're, you, you're, unfortunate due to your geographical location. Exactly. Same as if you're in London. If you're in London, the chances of getting Arts Council funding are fairly slim. Mm. But if you're somewhere more rural, yeah, you might have a better chance. And you fulfil the target. <laughs> it, 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 it is about. It, it, there's, there is something cynical, I think, about the Arts Council funding. Um, uh, success, successful funder, fundees um, in that they'll look at what the Arts Council are wanting to fund yes. and they will do something specifically that caters for that <clears throat> so if, they, yeah. if it's going to be about doing work for um, uh, to, for disadvantaged people they will turn it they, they will create a project that yes. does that in yes. order to be able to get well, there's a lot of that going on now it's also I'm an associate artist at the New Theatre Royal and there is very much a sense of trying to make sure that all of the plans are future-proof in terms of meeting those kinds of agendas. Because, mm. of course, without that kind of funding, it's just not sustainable for mm. some of those smaller theatres. So they need to speak to that agenda, which means they have all of their mission statements and everything that are very much targeted towards that too. So if you aren't making work that fits within that agenda, then you can forget it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's a good thing, of course, because it means that there is more... Um, work that's being that's being done specifically to fulfil the the greater uh, good of um, uh, of society, but it does take away somewhat the edginess mm. of the work. Um, yeah. What uh, which brings me back to why I like the Fringe so much is that you do have artists like you, like yeah. <clears throat> hundreds of artists that um, that come through each year. Sometimes just doing a show just once. Yeah. And it being a financial disaster, um, but somehow it turning into something else for later that 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 takes you exactly. t- takes it, it it sends them in a, in a, di- in a Riz, different direction. I think the good thing about Brighton is is it gives a, like for us we are taking a big risk with what we're trying to do. It's mm. not a good financial model to see two audience members at one time, <laughs> no, at all. But for us actually it is important taking that risk is hugely important and we couldn't do that in a commercial venue but we can do it in the fringe mm. and we can try all these things out and we can really take risks and play mm. in a way that we can't play outside of the festival I think That's which true. is what enticed us this year it's why we went no we're doing Brighton this year because we want to 
we want to play and we mm-hmm. want to engage audiences in a way that involves risk yeah. in a risk that I think more commercial venues aren't willing yeah. to take especially with not bums on seats two people at once <laughs> I, I, I saw your I saw, I, I saw your box office um, I saw the I know it's cute it's just like a long 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 list of <laughs> Of, of dates with, with, with two and the, 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 there were like you know two 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 zero one zero zero whatever tickets hate us whenever they have to input it they're like oh so you're seeing and the, what we've just done a show in London where we saw one person every 15 minutes for the whole evening so of course each individual one and it looks great because it always says sold out sold out it's like yeah but that was one <laughs> one ticket because we're seeing one person yeah so yeah that's that's it's uh they don't like it when we have no. to input those so no. <laughs> But it's good. It's, it's, it's good. good. It makes for good copy. It's what I like doing. Yeah, so, exactly. And I come from that that background. Yeah. And so I was going to ask you. We talked about kind of that term immersive and how it's really difficult and has become in some way this kind of strange sort of trendy mm. thing to do. But why do you think the weird thing is audiences do not seem to be waning in their appetite for it? Because very early on, um, some of the critics were like, "Oh, this is done now. It's just going to be one of those kind of flash and pan trendy things." But that's not the case. It's been kind of developing, I'd say, for over ten years, and audiences do not seem to be losing their appetite more than anything. They kind of want more of it. Why do you think audiences are so desperate for immersion and interaction? Um, I think it is that there is a. Um, uh, uh, certainly, a, a, a section of society or of the, of the, of the population that um, have uh, that they're a bit done with cross arch performance mm-hmm. um, and going to see the West End musicals or something like that. It, yeah. it, it's something about zeitgeist. It's something about something that is being being one of the very few people who got in to see. Yeah, like you me bum bum train. You me bum bum train or whatever. That, that Everyone keeps saying it's fabulous. And I'm like. Yeah, exactly, and, and I know lots of people who volunteered for it and uh, tell me about, you know, the inside about what's going on and so oh, on. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, but it, it's, uh, yeah, th- th- there there is very much that that side of things. Um, I know some of the performers who do the um, uh, secret cinema uh, stuff as well. Yes, and, and that's quite immersive, increasingly ambitious each time yes, as well. Yes, yes, I went to the 28 Days Later oh, yeah. one of Secret Cinema, so I loved the first 40 minutes. Right. And then beyond that. Then after that, yeah. Then after that I was I was quite bored. Yeah, my, 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 <laughs> my kids got to see um, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the preview Free, free, freebie, free, preview. Ooh, preview yeah, because it's quite expensive now to go. I yeah, think we paid like seventy pounds each, something mm. like that, which is a big day out. It's a big <laughs> when day there's out. two it's of an you. Thing. And yeah, I think that 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 is also a, a thing that um, affects people's ability to go and see see stuff that isn't part of a, a fringe festival. I agree. You, you'll be going to see things which are possibly in development, almost certainly in development still. Well, that is a huge barrier, so the you, money. You're able to see something which is, um, uh, yeah, that, that, that is obviously not making this company any money, um, but you're able to see it because it's, um, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it, you're at the most exciting phase of a lot of these artists' careers. Yeah. I, I, I find it quite humbling to, get, to have the chance to go and see something for the first time uh, by a new maker or a new, 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 a, a new artist who re- you really feel you, you've actually 
arrived at this point where they're, 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 they're at their most productive exactly. artistically. Exactly, and, and playing, and that's exciting for uh, me. And, and I, I think that the, the commoditization of art and the, and the, the internet generation and the mobile phone and so on, I, I think has, has led people to be more curious or more interested in doing something that's slightly off the beaten track. I, I, I think there is a, there's a certain hipster thing Yes. Um, it going on within performance as well, where mm. people don't want to go to Costa or, 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 or Starbucks. They'll go to the, 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 the funny pop-up coffee shop that's... Yes, um, although I do get fed up of eating things off bizarre objects that become challenging to eat food off. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have to ever eat anything after, out of a sardine can. No. Uh, really. Uh, it, it's just, it was At least coffee just... still tends to come in some kind of receptacle you can put to your mouth and drink easily. Yeah, jam jars for glasses and things is, is a, it's something... <laughs> or chips in tiny trolleys. And it's, it's little things like that. It, it looks fun and it's great, but actually the practicalities of trying to eat some of these things, like things yeah. that keep coming on really flat boards but have sauces and stuff, and you're like, how am I going to eat exactly. this food? That's right. <laughs> so th- th- there is a bit of that, I think, amongst people wanting to go and see something that's interesting, and it, and it is capturing a certain zeitgeist yeah. each time that is, is the holy grail for, for, um, for performances. Do it. I think doing doing performance in an in an interesting original location. Yeah. So it, it's it's it might not necessarily be immersive in the typical se- in the in the in the sense that it's um, uh, kind of breaking the fourth wall necessarily. Yeah. You might uh, there there is a piece of theatre in um, set in a uh, the Brighton Hove wood recycling, and it was about a builder. And so it was set in a place which is a working workshop. Yes, yes. And you're there in this working workshop with the smells the smell, and the, yeah. the atmosphere, yeah. just watching a piece of theatre. And that is evocative, I think sometimes really powerful, mm. especially smells. Smells are always the thing that mm. stays with you, I think, and lingers with you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I did, I, I did uh, in 2000, I did a, um, uh, I, I didn't even call it immersive theatre. And this is the very first time I've actually thought of it as a piece of immersive theatre. Um, and uh, it was called Fright Nights, mm-hmm. Fright Night or Fright Nights. It was in Edinburgh Fringe, and it was um, uh, in the latter days of of my uh, the drama school thing, um, where we met people up by um, uh, the the, the, the Mercat Cross on uh, on the Royal Mile. Yeah, yeah. And it was called the Tour of Terror. I've heard about this actually. I do a lot of reading about this okay. sort of stuff. So, so Fright, yeah. Night, Fright Nights, the Tour of Terror, and this was something that I was. The, <laughs> producer of and I was in and, and so on um, and we would meet people uh, up at the up on the Royal Mile and we uh, there was a there was a, a tour guide saying oh right over here we've got this and this is where someone was hanged and this is all this kind of thing and and and, and then they, they they walked down the Royal Mile and, and 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 there are these these monks following them following down chanting Gregorian chants or whatever they were doing uh, just following in the distance just in just not not in, in, a busy, in a busy street, and the thing started at just before midnight, and you arrived at Nidri Street South, which is where now the caves are. The, yes. the, the um, uh, just the tonic, I think, is is where they are now, and we were the first people to ever use these um, these these caves at the very very end. We got to the they get to the end in this dark darkness, and um, the monks come behind the the tour guide, 
and they murder him. Oh, <laughs> um, in, 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 and, and then they drag his, his, his bloodied corpse through this door. Uh-huh. And then they leave everybody there on their own. Did everyone just stand and watch? Did anyone try and intervene? No one tried to intervene. No, 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 no one did anything. And so, so they wow. murder this man in 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 the in the um, uh, in this cul-de-sac, <laughs> and then uh, I arrive. I I, I, I was the uh, the guy the, the, the host, um, and I, I I had my hair sort of waxed back, and it was a very very camp, black fingernails, <laughs> uh, white makeup, uh, black lipstick, and, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and all of that with a. With top with with top hat and tails and <laughs> and, uh, and and a, and a cane, and I, I opened the door saying welcome, <laughs> and and then I, I took them round these um, interactive and some sometimes just quite generic performance pieces yeah, yeah. in the arches down oh yes yeah and then we we did a there was a torture there was the the, uh, the gentleman's club, which was a piece where we uh, where a, a prostitute is. Is tortured and murdered mm-hmm. in front of the audience, and the people were fainting, and, and, and an eyeball <laughs> gets plucked out and ah. flung through the audience, and, <laughs> or, and then I tell a horror story in a in a very tight um, space uh, where people were like people were fainting, and, and it, it was it was just a beautiful yeah. piece of you know <laughs> we were fun. thinking how That's many people are we going to get to faint, yeah, yeah. And, and, and but we we just saw it as being something. We wanted to do, and we all got together. Uh-huh. We thinking, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. We we didn't really have a terminology for it. No, no, of course um, not. That was seventeen years ago. Yeah, um, and it, it was just yeah, we we're just doing some theatre. Well, when um, I started my PhD, which was in two thousand and six, mm. I really struggled to find this kind of work. Actually, I just I had mm. this idea after I'd done my masters that there must be work that engages the audience mm. in a, in a in a more interactive and kind of more participatory way. So I started hunting it out and I really had to hunt it out. And actually Edinburgh and Brighton were some of the first places that I started to find this kind of work. Mm. And I was like, oh, people aren't making this kind of work. This is mm. very exciting. But I certainly didn't call it immersive and no one else was. But I get to the end of my PhD uh, and then the book comes out called Immersive Theatre and I'm like, no, I've just spent four years of my life calling this participative performance yeah. <laughs> and trying to articulate kind of a name for this. But I don't think it's going anywhere. I think immersive is gonna is gonna stick with us for a yeah, little while. Yeah, I guess while. so. Yeah. I, and, and I I I <clears throat> try to when I'm I, I'm not making much anymore. But uh, and I but I never you never think you're never going to make it again. So there's always a you always, always get dragged back can, in. You never candle, leaves you behind. There's always a candle burning <laughs> for, for for doing to doing more work. And I'm 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 now someone who's responsible for. For finding work and bringing it here, whether it be the Dutch season, which I basically because I'm on the jury for these festivals, so I, I'm able to encourage them and meet them and say, look, come, and then we'll see what we can do to try and find money to. Well, that's to, exciting because you enable help things from you afar. enable art, which is um, amazing. So when I'm working to create work, um, it, it it starts from the premise of of uh, of um, what story do I want to tell? Yes. Um, how would how will the audience experience this? How how are they going to take it? Um, mm-hmm. And how am I going to best give them the um, uh, the experience that they need to be able to understand and appreciate what I'm trying to tell? Exactly. Um, and it, am I trying to alienate them? 
how am I going to do that? Yes. Uh, am, I, am I trying to, to, to excite them? How am I going to do that? Uh, yes. And, and it, it's, it's looking at it from a d- director's perspective yeah. that detaches yourself from... You, you have to have lots of different, different, different perspectives when you're, when you're creating work. And, and it, it's not being formulaic. And it's not yeah. thinking, not even thinking about not being formulaic. Because the moment <laughs> you start to think about not being formulaic, it, then you're it in that same formulaic. problem, aren't you? Yeah. Exactly. And so, for me, it has to begin with, the, like you said, the audience's experience. Hmm. What do I want for them? What do I want them to experience? And how do I best achieve that? Yeah. And I don't know. I'll always make interactive work. Probably not, because I'm interested in that. So hmm. the ways in which you can do that will evolve and change. And so for right now, the way I like to do that is to try to engage people in that sort of one-on-one mm. but I can't see it always being that way mm. and it's like you said it, the audience have to in some ways kind of come first well not necessarily the audience but your communication with the audience has to come first yeah. I, I think and lots of people work in different ways but <laughs> yeah. it's interesting to hear that that's really similar for you Yeah. so I was going to kind of we've talked a little bit about Brighton Festival mm-hmm. and I know that you often actually get asked about the fact that they're on at the same time and that they're competing but I've been looking at the programme for the last few years and for this year very particularly and actually there's very little in the Brighton Festival that is similar to what is in the Brighton Fringe Festival Mm -hmm. so for me of course I'm always looking for immersive interactive anything which kind of engages in that way and I, I literally maybe found two things in the Brighton Festival that might fall into that and they're all downloadable audio things that you just do yourself mm-hmm. and so I didn't really see it as, as a competition because I think the character of them is so different so I was going to kind of ask you kind of what you think because there's so many immersive things listed in the Brighton Fringe Festival but not in the Brighton Festival mm-hmm. and I guess what I'm asking is what do you think are the kind of different characters of both of those festivals and how they manage the city manages to support them <laughs> kind of at the same time um well I don't think Brighton Festival is competition to Brighton Fringe. No, I agree. Um, I have evidence uh, that I've received e- recently from an email from a member of the Brighton Festival team where they directly say that Brighton Fringe is a direct competition to Brighton Festival, which I've I've not nece- I've not addressed just yet, um, and I will be taking <laughs> issue with them on it. Yeah, I find um, that uh, but it's interesting to see that, that because it was it was an email I happened to see and it was a uh, it was quite revealing because I, I see the behaviour quite often uh, as being quite obstructive or making sure that things happen in the way that they wanted to happen mm. they, they they rule the roost really and Brighton Fringe is the um, the, the the errant sibling um, who's come up and gone no I've got sharp elbows I want to do this I could do this but that's not me <laughs> that's not Julian Caddy Julian no. Caddy creates an environment for 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 the fringe to happen. And Julian Caddy is here um, as a facilitator, as you've just said. Indeed. I don't create the work. People want to take part in Brighton Fringe, so they do. This year Absolutely. we have, we will have over a thousand pieces of work in Brighton Fringe this year, which is extraordinary. That is extraordinary. A, a, a thousand shows, a thousand events. Uh, so there isn't is a competition. I don't see Brighton Festival's competition in any in, in any way, shape, or form. In, no. in the, they, they they do complement each other if. Brighton Festival wants it to. Yes, I agree. I, I, I see no point in Brighton Festival unless it takes more advantage of Brighton Fringe. Yes. I see that Brighton Fringe is the is the proving ground, the, 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 the crucible, the the petri dish. We have a of, thousand companies who want to be part of take, that. So it takes part and, and that is where 
a lot of new work is, is happening. And I, I look through Brighton Festival um, uh, programme and I'm, I'm incredibly proud that Cap Francois, a performer that I put on in Edinburgh for the first time in 2005, wow. is in Brighton Festival. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is the most rewarding thing of, uh, 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 of, of, of someone in my line of work. Each year when I get look in Brighton Festival brochure, I see year after year artists that I have produced, Indeed, I have yeah. pr- programmed, that are now being paid to do their shit. Which is which is which the goal, is isn't want. it? That's what everyone wants. And it, and, and uh, the, there are the, there's the Hiccup Project doing um, Merry Go May We Go Round and um, May We Start Again. I think who were were who are Brighton based uh, performers who um, were award winners, for, uh, bursary winners through Brighton Fringe, yeah. and now they've not now got their work. In I mean, that's incredible. That's such a proven. And that, to my mind, is the point in Brighton Festival. Absolutely. I do not see it as a competition to Brighton no. Fringe. I see it as being something that can and should support Brighton Fringe. Yeah. And the other way around. Yes. And as soon as that gets into their heads, yeah. I would be delighted. Well, this um, is the thing. You know, I'll come in the evening. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see several mm-hmm. things on the Fringe. But at lunchtime, I can go and see Tim Crouch's piece mm-hmm. that's part of the Brighton Festival that's over in Shoreham. Yeah. And for me, I don't, I don't see that sort of distinction if mm. that makes sense and I think audiences don't really see it that way either potentially they're like right I'm coming down to Brighton for two days a day a no day whatever no one cares and no one should care no they're going to say well, I, I want to see something I want to see stuff that's good I don't yes. give monkeys about yeah. who's doing this and the infighting or whatever they want to see something that's good and this is not a universal thing that I'm talking about. There are plenty of people within Brighton Festival and Dome who are who've got the got the vision and so on. And, of course. And, the, and Tim Crouch has done work in Brighton Fringe as well. In, exactly. He did host, exactly. Um, in the bathing machine. Yes. A couple of years ago. Yes. Because um, I would go to see him and when he was on. Funded work, and and that's that's marvellous. And and I'm I'm incredibly pleased that 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 that's that that's there. I I I would like to see a day when. During Brighton Fringe, there is a team of scouts from Brighton Dome and Brighton Festival watching work. Why are they, they not? They are scouting. There needs to be a team of ten people from Brighton Festival looking at Brighton Fringe. There are a thousand potentially, and, 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 and that, that just doesn't happen. That that shocks me to hear that because there are, oh. like you said, a thousand potential mm. future stars mm. putting their work on in the Fringe Festival. How are they not taking advantage mm. yeah. of seeing work when it's right at that point where it's exciting and challenging, mm. and on the cusp? Because there'll be lots of yeah. that. I mean, I've asked I, 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 on several occasions about about it, and, and and the answer that comes is always, "Oh, but we're too busy." Wow. And it's it's a very revealing thing to say that you're too busy to yeah. see to see the, the 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 new work from these artists um, who could be providing your program for the future. Um, and and clearly are. <laughs> you can have highfalutin uh, ambitions, um, and I think it's a great thing that um, Kate Tempest is saying certain things about, you know, arts should be open for everyone and so yes. on. But bloody hell, goodness me, open yeah. to everyone. Um, it, the, 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 <laughs> we, we are doing, it, it's the tip of the iceberg in terms of the pay forward and so on, is what, 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 what is going on there. Um, we already have. Um, most of the work for under a tenner. 
Yes, exactly. We already have 200 shows which are free. Yeah. We already are doing yeah. um, pieces of work which are bringing in minorities and disadvantaged people from, uh, with, from, from different, different backgrounds, um, people with disabilities. We have bursaries for older people as well as young people. Um, and, and we don't get any funding. I know, it's crazy. And the amount, and, and I, I can you know, go on about it till the cows come home and, and people get fed up with me, uh, particularly within Bride Festival, um, <laughs> uh, saying it, and, and who's, who's, where, where's the surprise there? But, uh, but you know, I'm, never, I'm not going to shut up. No. I'm never going to shut up. Well, it gives uh, you the chance to do that as well, because like, we're doing our show really cheaply over lunchtimes in a 20-minute version to enable people to come during their lunch hour. Mm. And to, mm. It gives a chance to do something a mm. bit more accessible because mm. we could not have afforded to do that outside of a f- the festival context mm. in that way to say, I right, will do a short version of it at lunchtime that's only like five quid or something to come mm. to so you can like still have time to eat your lunch and do mm. 20 minutes of show. We could not have done that outside of the structure of the festival. Mm. And you know that's important. You've got to be accessible and realise that people have different kinds of commitments and different kind of audiences. And it's not mm. always just about ticket price either mm. being cheap. It's, mm. It is sometimes about time. Yeah. Lots of people got, when they get home need to pick up their kids from school at three. Mm-hmm. Then they need to get home and they've got other commitments, maybe yeah. caring commitments. But maybe at lunchtime mm-hmm. at work, they have that time. Yeah. To kind of come out and no, so. Exactly. It's not always just about no. ticket price either. And you're right. The, this brochure is so full of free things and think. Most things are under a tenner. There's loads of things under a fiver. <laughs> so that is accessible, and I think I that's think so. important. And, and I, I think that really, it's going back to what it is, I, I do think Brighton Festival is brilliant. Um, it, is a, it, it is a great institution that has come, mm. uh, that has changed, and it, and it, it built that this notion of an artistic, a guest artistic director does bring in different things to it. The, uh, but... It bloody well should be brilliant. Yes. Because of, yes. It, 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 I look at it and I go, yep, yep, good, 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 good. And I'm pleased that I do because it, it really should be. Yes. Of all the things <laughs> going on in this city, that should be top class. It needs to be yeah. top draw. Um, and that's the, and so the quality needs to be great and needs to be interesting. And I, I'm, a, I, I'm very pleased when I see great stuff is taking place there. Um and especially when they're shows that I, companies that I helped um, uh, give their break to. That's so rewarding. Yeah, I mean, Tangled Feet, um, I, will, I, I put on their very, very first show. They're a, they're a, a dance company. Yeah, yeah, and they, they, they did for two years running the closing event for Brighton Festival with yeah. 50 grand productions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, 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 the artistic director was said to me, you know, yeah, I, I, you, you gave me my break, and and now Which I'm doing incredible. this. And it, it's such a great feeling. Yeah. And you know, you know, in five, ten years' time, there's going to be people who are in here yeah. who are going to be doing the same. Exactly, and and that's what makes it exciting to be to yeah. be able to, to do that. So, I, I think if there's one thing I'd like to see happen is that if if Brighton Dome and Brighton Festival set aside um, some of their priorities towards. Um, Brighton Fringe, I think it would be great because you see plenty of them up in Edinburgh. Um, you see some of them going to going to Australia, but they never go to their own home turf. I have a closer relationship with the National Arts Festival of South Africa 
the Amsterdam Fringe, the Adelaide Fringe, the Perth Fringe. That's crazy. Than I do with, with the with the f- festival in my own city, it's and and that, that that is a that's sad. And I, I yeah. but at the same time, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And if I'm going to be transferring work to a to a national festival to a to a funded festival, I've sent I'm sending work to National Arts Festival of South Africa. Yes. Um. And so the the, the each year there are there are pieces of work going down there. Um, Cape Town <coughs> as well, uh, Amsterdam Fringe. So the artistic directors of those festivals, they do come to Brighton. Yes. And they do look for work, and they do buy work, Which and is they exciting. take it, and they pay people to take it. Yes. And so it, it, it is. I, 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 Brighton Fringe is not going to stand still, and, and it's through that bloody mindedness that I learnt to have from the time that uh, I wasn't at school. I was at school, and I wasn't doing drama because yep. I wasn't. I wasn't the popular boy in school. I don't care about being popular. I'm just thinking about what I think is important about getting 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 shit done. Yes. And and if, if I think you know I I want to I want to do this, I'm just going to keep on going. I'm just going to keep on doing it until I actually yeah. end up doing it. So it, it, in a way, there is a parallel to my own life there in that I didn't actually get to work in the arts professionally for for another uh, twelve years after the moment I left. Yeah. I, I I left school. I bet that um, marketing background though was has been. Has served you very well in terms. I suppose of so. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 having some real world um, business knowledge yeah. and marketing knowledge and advertising side of things has has given me a um, a, a, a more of a resilience and, a, and an understanding of where uh, of, of of how the world works. Yes, um, <laughs> I think, and uh, yeah, I, 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 it's professionalizing the way that we communicate yes. is is a vital yeah. part of, of, of how the arts work and, and I think people get lost in creating their art and then forget about uh, what they're going to do to sell it and yes. the, um, uh, the the thing that we do uh, a big part of what we do is called Fringe Academy yes. uh, where yeah. we have these workshops which are free all of them are free, they 50 are. free workshops and we're doing things like how to create a business plan, how to fundraise we, we have uh, Arts Council um, uh, offices coming to give presentations. We have yeah. um, workshops on health and safety, on how to flyer, on how to produce good print. Which is perfect. I mean, they are really mm. the, the skills that take a long time to accumulate, learning yeah. them kind of in the game. Yeah, how to become a producer. Yeah. Um, events, where to tour next. Mm-hmm. Um, fringe festivals around the world. Um, and And have it, just have it, having sessions where professionals can come and talk about um, how they got to where they are today that sort of thing which is really useful mm. so what is what are you looking most forward to this Brighton Fringe Festival have you got any kind of shows that you sort of earmarked and gone oh, absolutely well I, I, I declare an interest in the Brighton in, in the Brighton Fringe Dutch season um, absolutely in, in that I, I've been totally um, uh, into that for for some years I, I I am very excited about Brighton the, the Dutch season because it's bringing some really interesting really unusual pieces of work uh, to Brighton mm-hmm. for the first time UK premieres 14 UK premieres of, of, of Dutch work from the last five years six years um, a lot of them are short sort of 20 minute pieces yeah um, uh, and they are yeah some of them will be difficult to watch. Um, there, there, there's a there's one called Pan Seventy Ninety or Pavilion Seventy Ninety, as they, they call themselves, where they they they, they play atonal music, 
um, and uh, Holderby to Dramatic Concert it's by the same company where they the, the, it's uh, you are just in a piece of performance art that's immersive this excites me this, um, this kind of work is really mm. my 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 thing yeah. this is my bag so yeah so there's really a, Daddy Day is a beautiful piece of performance that's that to my mind is a piece of immersive immersive theatre you, you're, you're going you're, you're, you go to um, you're watching a slideshow of old slides with a with a father, um, and he comes. You arrive, and he gives you he gives everyone a cup of tea, and he sits down. He doesn't speak, and he stands there, and he's give, he's doing a slideshow. Yeah, uh, it's a this goes. Oh, I love that. And you're watching some quite strange holiday snaps. I'm not going to say what happens, no, but no. but it, it's a. Uh, it, it takes you on a journey through watching these things with his smile and his... Well, most performance art, and this is what's so interesting about the, the weird use of uh, the term immersive, is actually, you know, right back into the 1960s, when this kind of work started emerging, performance art and live art, has always been interactive and participative and you have always been fundamentally involved as an audience because that's the very thing that defines performance art and live art so for me this is kind of the where it all actually came out of mm. in some respects and and is much less about creating these big fictive spaces and it's much more again about that integrity of being in those spaces with those people who are engaging in often very autobiographical Material too, so this, yeah. this kind of work. Yeah, I'm, really I'm incredibly excited me. about 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 having the Dutch season come. I've seen most of it already, but you you have a like macho macho, is a is a really interesting piece of um, performance which deconstructs masculinity mm. um, with these two really hot guys uh, who are, you know, beautiful specimens. Uh, <laughs> so with, yeah, just seeing their pictures, their yeah. or whatever. Incredible um, and. It takes you on a journey where um, you actually start to see them as being quite grotesque. Mm. And it, it's a piece of performance where there is no music, um, there's no sound, all you hear is them breathing. I love that. Uh, and they are, it's very confronting. Mm. It's very uncomfortable to watch. And you start to ask yourself questions about, about, uh, humanity about masculinity about yourself yeah. what was i thinking why was i thinking it how do i feel now i feel a little bit dirty yeah why? yeah, it, yeah. It, and, and it it that the, there are some really interesting yeah it's, it's just asking questions about 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 things that you wouldn't normally do this is a puppet piece with dance um where the puppet takes over the puppeteer um and uh, gives life to the puppeteer, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and it's it, and it becomes quite dark. The puppet is is has a devil quality to it, and oh. and, and and so, but but it's something that is suitable for maybe from from maybe eleven plus yeah. age group, so kids can come and watch it as well. So I find puppets very disconcerting as well. I find them really uncanny, <laughs> yeah, well, really uncomfortable this way. Like, this one looks like Gollum. <laughs> um, and it, it, oh but, God! Yeah. It, it, I think that there's an there's an awful lot within within the Dutch season that I I'm really excited about the just the, just the creativity from one culture um, is is something that we should all just lap up. Um, there there's a a piece uh, of uh, it's not interactive theatre 
Um, oh no, no, it doesn't. It's whatever uh, you're kind of looking for. Immersive theatre was a um, uh, dangled, which is uh, the winner of the National Arts Festival's um, uh, Ovation Award, which is an adaptation of Gogol's Diary of a Madman. Ah, which yes, is, yes, I was really again a that. deeply, a, a quite a disturbing piece of theatre, um, which uh, is performed by a, a, a quite a gifted um, actor, uh, dancer, comedian. He he won Strictly Come Dancing, you know, in, in South Africa, and he was on. He's, 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 he presents um, uh, South Africa's Got Talent and stuff like that. Oh but, wow! And, so it, it's <laughs> sort of, it, That's and, incredible. And he's sort of a big deal in, in, yeah, yeah. in South Africa. So he's coming here completely unknown. Um, and, and so he, he's a just at the energy coming out of this guy is, is insanely good. Um, in terms of immersive performance or whatever you might describe as being immersive performance, I'm quite um, intrigued by um, HIP, which is um, Jolie Booth, um, Korea Arts's um, piece. She was a squatter. Um, in, uh, I don't know when it was, I can't quite remember, maybe 15, 15 years or so ago, 15 years, years or so ago, she found the diaries of a woman who used to live in that house. Yes, 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 I was talking to Hester about and this. And hip, HIP's really interesting, it was at the Marlborough last, last year, it was in, in a piece of theatre, in, in, in a theatre, and there were objects that the audience would then pick, and then she would then tell the story of, 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 ah, of, of okay. through, through through those objects. What she's doing this time is she's taking people on a tour around Brighton, yeah, uh, to the places which this per the uh, w- 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 th- 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 that are part of this diary, part of this person's life. Yeah. Uh, that they worked at um, Infinity Foods, or they they did this or that in the in the North Lane, and this is where they met their their their. This, where, where they um, fell in love. This is the pub that oh, she met yeah. her first boyfriend, and this is where this <laughs> happened and that happened, and 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 that I find a really interesting piece. And I'm I'm looking forward to yes. to get to going to see yeah. that um, just to see it as as, as a follow up uh, from it. Um, I think that the, that that's the the one the one piece of immersive theatre that I that that stands out for me. I'm mm-hmm. I'm quite curious about what's going on at uh, Shiny Town. So an Australian um, company is producing some of the some of the performance there. Yes. Um, uh, which is the new venue in front of Brighton Pavilion. There's an uh, immersive version of um, Train Spotting as well. Oh yes. Which so I'm the, I'm kind of intrigued as to how how that will work. If it will be really just promenade, mm-hmm. or if it's going to have a really kind of meaningful. Um, kind I, of engagement for the audience. I, I, I'm I'm intrigued by it as well. Mm. Um, I will go and see it. I, I it it did really really well in Edinburgh. Yes, I know the yeah. producer um, uh, because he's a, he's done Edinburgh a, a, a long time over the years, and <coughs> and my former business partner who runs Sweet Venues uh, now is is producing it in Brighton. Now. Yes, so, yeah, so yeah. That there is a vested interest there as well, partly. Um, I was in Adelaide and it was on in, at, at Adelaide Fringe and um, uh, it's been very well reviewed. It's been very, very well, well, reviewed. Very well I, reviewed. I just don't sit next to the toilet. Yes, that's what I heard. The artistic director, uh, or rather the director and CEO of the, the Sydney Fringe, uh, did. And, oh. Uh, they left as soon as um, uh, as soon as the shit hit them. Um, <laughs> they, yeah. They, got, they, they were covered. Yeah. In, they, they, they got covered in feces. They're the thing um, I'm most dubious about uh, immersive things that are based in text, 
because I always get anxious that it's just going to end up being a spectator experience, but standing <laughs> for many hours yeah. <laughs> in strange spaces, well, which, you, you, which has you, its you value. This, you have this sort of thing with uh, uh, these sorts of theatre experiences. I remember one of my first pieces of, I suppose, immersive theatre, if you could call it that, was in uh, Edinburgh in 1996, when I first did my first, ed- came for my first Edinburgh, and I was watching on my own. It was, it was a piece called Mad. And it was what was the famous Grouse House, which was which is now sea venues in Adam House on Chambers Street. Yeah. And it was in a in a in a room. It, um, it wasn't really converted into a theatre. And we were watching um, people with uh, uh, mental health problems um, uh, talking about their lives, and it was performed by people who uh, by those people. Wow. Okay. And we were witnessing a, um, a therapy group uh, wow. as a just a, we were sitting in a circle around this circle of that's people talking about that. huge ethical their... implications. Oh surely. God, I mean, oh that's... God, oh I mean it was everything, everything about, <laughs> everything about this and, and I was sat next to somebody who, who was drinking, drinking water out of a, a big two litre water bottle um, and at one point she just goes completely like like ah, and she just smashed the water bottle on the ground right next to me, and I just got completely soaked. Oh in no! Oh water. no! <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that was yeah. A, again. A, it was a uh, yeah. I was immersed. I in tend water. to make sure if I'm going to something that is immersive or interactive, mm. that I don't wear something I like a yes. lot. <laughs> I've learned my lesson yes, massively, yeah. and when I make work that I know, I always say when people get their little email when they bought their tickets, I say, please wear something you don't mind getting grubby. Mm. <laughs> Just because some people don't think about it. Sometimes people come in like full on sort of evening clothes and you're like, oh gosh, did you did you read what the show's about? Because mm. you've got like big fur coat on, really lovely dress and heels and I'm, I'm, and I'm gonna splash it with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't wanna do that really. Yeah. Oh, exactly. So, so I, I always, I'm a good audience in that respect. Mm. I always come in kind of old sneakers and some jeans and a top I don't mind if it gets God knows what on it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you never know. You never know. Never no, know. Exactly. Never know. And of course, write-ups are always small and oblique. And so you're like, I, I literally have no idea what I'm stepping into right here. But that that for me is part of, part yeah, of the excitement. Exactly. And, and I think, I, think I, I suppose when you're going into a Fringe Festival as an audience member, um, you need to go in with your eyes quite wide open. Indeed. Expecting the unexpected. And that that's the... I suppose what makes a fringe festival um, important. Actually, yeah. I, I think as long as as long as people are um, pushing boundaries, as long as people are taking risks and um, uh, enjoying the creative process, mm. then fringe festivals can only grow um, in terms of their relevance. Because there there isn't really anything else anymore. No. That's my worry about society is that the the, the, the wild west of the arts um, isn't as accessible um, no. anymore. And, and the Edinburgh has become a, a victim of its own success yes. in that regard. Yeah, I because agree. it's very, very expensive to do it. Brighton is, is, is not there. Will it become like that? I won't be able to control that. Although what I want to do is to keep it 
at least rewarding quality and um, encouraging people to take risks as much as I can. Absolutely. Uh, if I'm able to support work, to tour or to, to, to bring up arts professionals to come and reward experimental work, then I'll continue to do it. And I, and I think that also Brighton audiences tend to be more um, uh, curious yeah. and interested in unusual pieces yes. than, than, say, a, the, the, your average uh, Edinburgh audience um, where I found myself being disappointed about the fact that I'm seeing a piece of amazing dance from Japan uh, in a, in a, in, on a Saturday evening with only a third full audience yeah. um, next to um, George Square or, or Bristow Square where they've broadly speaking got comedy and cabaret going on yes. and they're packed yeah, in the bars absolutely round, yeah. and, and so the audiences that you're getting are not necessarily the curious audiences that are going to see no. the interesting, interesting work and the London audience actually is quite they're really looking for a good night out so work that is hard to live through work that's difficult and challenging mm. and risk taking is often not what they want to spend their Saturday no. night money on which is which is a which is a shame whereas again talking about the dutch i go and see work in um, in germany in france uh, in italy in spain you see you you you, you know oh, in in russia um, you, yes. you you see you see people People are going to see work because they're interested in seeing work. Yes. But they, they, everyone, it, France is a wonderful place for everyone having an opinion about art. Absolutely. And Absolutely. they will go and they will talk for hours about the work. Yeah. It's about, everyone's a, everyone, everyone's a philosopher in France. In some way, shape, or form. Yes. There's something like, oui, je suis philosophe, oui, je vais parler avec, parler avec vous dans ce cas-là, oui, c'est très bien. And, and it, it's, it, there is this certain cultural connoisseurship yes. that, that the French love. You go to a, a building site in France and you will see them stop work at lunchtime and they will open a bottle of wine. Indeed. And they will have a they they, they will they will make themselves they they, they will have a have a have a good lunch. Um, they're not they wouldn't dream of going down to McDonald's to do whatever. They they, no. they, they, they set aside stuff and they have a quality, an appreciation of, of things that in Britain. Maybe we never had it. I think because it is cultural. Because I grew up in um, my dad was in the RAF and mm. I lived in Germany for mm. many many years. And again. In Germany, they have this really strong cultural tradition. They have local theatres that show experimental work. Even like Pina Bausch's theatre was in a small... Wuppertal or somewhere, wasn't yeah, it? Yes. Wuppertal, yeah, Wuppertal, this tiny little town. But they go. They go to the mm. theatre and they go from young as well. And I think everywhere seems to have this kind of... Um, a very different attitude towards kind of the theatre arts and the performing arts. And like it's Wagner, much more embedded. Bayreuth or somewhere. Yeah. yeah they, they, they go into... The, yeah. That's right. I, I completely, absolutely. It would unlikely to happen. It would be very unlikely somebody like Pina Bausch would come out of Ely, for example. <laughs> Do you know, just a small little town, city in the mm -hmm. middle of like the east. I don't think that would happen here, or it would be very rare. Whereas I don't think it is across Europe. And I think also that, um, and this is a good, this is a positive thing coming out of adversity. Um, is that the best art, in my opinion, happens in times of difficulty? Absolutely. Um, when we're in a, when we're all feeling comfortable about our lives, then then things are a little bit 
more uh, staid. And, and, and I think that in these times of economic, socio-political problems, um, uh, it's hard. Life is bloody hard. Um, uh, and we ain't seen nothing yet. I no, feel. I, that's my worry is actually um, I think we are currently actually receiving way more than we're going to mm. in the next 10 years. I think the arts is going to see itself disappearing from schools, disappearing from college, and I think we're going to see our funding evaporating. Yeah, and, and I, I, I think that's dreadful, um, but hopefully there will be a phoenix it will make of, us work of, hard. Of, peop- <laughs> of people doing things dangerously. Yeah. People doing things taking risk. And, and, and in the way that in Berlin in the early um, 90s, they had these performers, performance art collectives. Yes, yeah. Tacheles in, 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 Ber- in, in, in central Berlin. I, I lived in Berlin for... The part of the th- my third year of university, oh, wow. and they 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 have these sort of collectives of artists making, but with no money, squatting yes, and, yes, and, and, yes. and 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 create creating stuff and doing stuff that's really exciting. Well, look at the Belarus Free Theatre. I mean, that is such a good example of, mm. of people making incredibly beautiful and robust yes. theatre in a climate where their lives are at risk. Yes. in doing that. And I think they can take away our funding, they can take us out of schools, they can take us out of the mm-hmm. public's kind of consciousness, but they won't stop us. Yeah. And I think the fringe of all kinds, but especially the Brighton fringe is going to be an important part of, I think, of mm. at least giving us platforms where we can still access audience and engage yeah. audience. And as long as someone is willing to watch, then we will have something to say. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And if even if people aren't willing to watch us, we will have something to say and we will find ways of making people engage with us <laughs> yeah I, I, I think that the as long as we can um, conquer the collective uh, apathy mm. that pervades society uh, I think at the moment um, when people can't actually be bothered to go and vote yes yeah, for something that is apathy. so changing life-changing as brexit or something like that um, <laughs> you, you 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 think Jesus what just what what, what? yeah you know, what 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 do you, do you realize what's going to happen now do you really understand it's it? now slowly dawning isn't it hmm. i think i don't know i think that again this collective apathy and denial self-denial is you know people are going to maybe just close their ears and eyes and see no evil hear no evil just like, it'll be fine it'll yeah. be fine that kind of strange mm. attitude i mean yeah. i always work off the attitude my mum says nothing worthwhile was ever easy mm. Well, and so I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so when things are hard, all I think to myself is, well, it's because it's going to be something worthwhile and something meaningful. Mm. And you never get anything good for free. You have to work for everything. So mm. I think they t- can take away our funding, take away our money. That's right. They can't take away they our They can't freedom. take away our art. Exactly. <laughs> that's right, yeah. And some of us make it because we have no option, mm-hmm. because that's how we have to communicate. And that's mm-hmm. how we have a need to do that. And I don't mm. think all art comes from that place, but I think a lot of it does. Mm-hmm. And so as long as we need to do it, then we're going to do it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm just happy that at the moment we have an exciting and mm-hmm. a vibrant and a well-supported, well-structured mm-hmm. Fringe Festival in Brighton where we can play. I think we're very lucky as well. Yeah, very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we are free to play mm-hmm. in that way where mm-hmm. other countries and other artists in those countries are not at the moment. Yeah. And I think we should take full advantage of that. And I'm certainly going to this festival. Very good. <laughs> as a maker and as an audience, yeah. I'm going to get along to see as much as I possibly well, I'll can. I'll get along to see the story of you and I. I've put a little star next to it on my list. Oh, thank you. Well, 
I won't take up any more of your time. We've been talking for a ridiculously amount of long time now, and I know that you are crazy busy, so I don't even know what time. Gosh, is that the time? So thank you so much for talking to me, and um, I will probably see you out and about while I'm at the festival, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> well, thank you very That's much. Right. Thank, thank you. you. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. As ever, I would really love to hear from you. So you can tweet me at Tate Podcast. You can email me directly, talking about immersive theatre at gmail.com. You can PM me on Facebook. Uh, you can send me a direct message via YouTube as well. So there are loads of different ways to get in touch. And I love to hear from you guys. Any feedback is extremely welcome, even if it's just to let me know where you're listening and what you do while you're listening to us. So May is going to be really exciting. I've got loads of interviews lined up with all the different kinds of immersive practitioners and actors and performers and all the other kind of folk involved in the Brighton Fringe Festival, which is happening across the whole of May and into the early part of June. Now, I'm going to be releasing some of those as extra shows throughout May and June, and then others I'll be releasing over the coming months. If you do not want to miss out on all of the additional content, then you need to make sure that you're subscribed. And you can do this on iTunes, SoundCloud or on YouTube. The last piece of exciting information that I wanted to give to you was my own immersive performance company, which is Vertical Exchange Performance Collective or VEX, V-E-X for short, uh, have an intimate interactive piece of work on during the festival. Now, this is called The Story of You and I, a trilogy. And you can find details about this on the Brighton Fringe Festival's website or on our own website, which is www.vexperformance.co.uk. Or you can either search for Vex or The Story of You and I on Facebook. We have Facebook pages for both of those things. So keep your ears pricked because you'll be hearing lots more from me this month. So until very shortly. Bye.